2: All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashef and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil.
1: Hey, howdy! Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters.
3: Hey, brewers, how's it going today? I love him so because every, it's
4: going just fine. Every show is different. He doesn't have the. I standard. show up with a blank
3: slate every day. <laughs> every day, it's like Groundhog's Day thing.
4: Sometimes like. you get written on, and sometimes Whatever. I don't know. But you know, he's still expo- he's still trying to figure out his call. He's not going to be Dang. stagnant like you and just say run. the same thing on every show. <laughs> One that fits.
1: Stagnant is that what you just said? I'm stagnant. Fresh, I didn't mean huh? to. Oh, I've got my, I found my niche, and I am sticking with it. It yeah. just, it just frits.
3: Yeah, I think your niche is this making beer thing. I'm seeing that stuff everywhere. It's all <laughs> over the, it's on the shelves everywhere yeah. now, the uh, bottling
4: Yeah, That's probably that. all the first batch. Yes. I think is, that still, is that that's that's not selling? That's why, gets, it's, still that's why getting, I see it all the time? Yeah, he's it's getting like his first it First ferment. They put
1: it on there, and yeah, it just never goes anywhere. That's, <laughs> that's the whole thing.
4: I use my first case of doorstop. Did I turn you off? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> she
1: gives yeah. me a comment like that and then turns my mic off. Very nice. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, now you know how Taryn feels.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's it's going well. Um and we we started uh date coding our bottles. So uh you nice. can see, but you know the first few batches they they went in the market and out of the market so fast that you, know, you shouldn't really find any bottles out there that aren't uh
4: well, how are you trash. date coding? Are you doing like really confusing X ninety five slash J forty two apples, or is it actually like a date?
1: actually we're using pictures, <laughs> rabbit, dog, goose? Yeah, and what does that mean? Squiggly line. To anybody? So. Sun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and that's that means four. Um, no. We just you know we're, we're kind of like oh should we do a Best Buy? We're like well we don't you know it just depends on what kind of conditions it was handled in. And, you know, you know what kind of store you're at. Some stores, I'm at some stores, and, I've, you know, you see these dates and you think, oh, well, this is a really good store. They take good care of their beer. I'm I'm sure it's going to be fine. And you buy it, and sure enough, it is. In some places, it doesn't really matter what the date is. You're just like, hey, this place isn't so great. You know, everything I buy here seems stale no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> then you know it's you know that date's got to be really soon, and so um, you know thinking about that, and we had to make a decision real quick. And I'm like, you know, let's just put the day we bottled the thing on. So we yeah. actually just go with bottled and the date. Because that's bottled perfect, and whatever the date. Pretty
3: good is. way. I mean, like your your point is the consumer
1: yeah. now has to
3: measure the outlet.
1: Right. In terms well, of and, how they treat beer yeah. give the consumer the power to know, yeah. rather than you know some code that they can't figure out or yeah. you know saying this is the best buy date, which may or may not be true based on how it was handled. Right. Um, I'd rather just you know give the consumer the, the chance to make the decision based on what they think is right. Yeah. You know, and I I think most of especially brewing network listeners they know. A really hoppy beer has a shorter lifespan. You, you want to buy them things really fresh. You know, exactly. darker beers they have a longer lifespan. Yeah. And
3: People that care about freshness know those things. I mean, that's
1: right, something that right. they, they know. Or if they're buying a barley wine or something like that, yeah. they're going to like, oh, you know, this one's you know a couple or a sour, you know, something bottle condition. You know, it take a little of abuse. And yeah. Did we almost
4: get Sling Jamil back?
3: you got to buy them things real quick. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 so uh you know so
3: what would be uh like say your evil cousin your hundred Ibu that's eight eight percent beer mm-hmm um, what would uh if I was walked what went, went to like a, a whole food store which I consider people that really know how to treat beer pretty well mm-hmm. and what 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 would I when would I wonder if that is very fresh two months after the bottle date or when would I begin to wonder about it? again, it's been kept probably cold, you know, two, two, three
1: months, you know, even if you the the problem with a really super hoppy beer like that is, um, you know, even under perfect storage conditions, the hops are going to drop out Mm -hmm. and you know, you're going to, it's going to get less and less of that bright hop character. it will still be hoppy. Um, you know, I, I I tasted one where we had some had uh, some problems with the bottling machine. I saved some of the worst fills and uh, kept them around my house from it was back in like September or whatever it was, and um, pop one open the other day. Still nice and hoppy. <laughs> It's like wow. That's that's still pretty good. I mean it was getting a little bit of that. Though. And it was a short fill, but it was uh, yeah. capped on,
3: still capped on foam or
1: uh, no, not? I don't think I don't oh. think it was even capped on foam. Uh-huh. Um we just you know, rather than dumping all the, the, the really bad ones, I saved some and yeah. and uh, just wanted to see what it would be like. Yeah, you know, one, yeah. worst worst possible fill conditions and you know, give it some time and see what happens. I also put some near the uh the stove. And, uh, Force it, yeah. yeah. And I actually, I opened, opened one I'm up, simulating poured, poured more. some of the beer out and I recapped it and I left it near the stove for, uh, several months. And I just had it last night and, uh, or maybe night before last. And, uh, when I poured it, it was brown, brown? Of the golden <laughs> color. It came out darn what? near brown and cloudy.
3: What the hell was that?
1: There was no, you know, sourness, no bacteria. It was just, like, heat stress from being next to the stove that fires up at 18,000 BTU or whatever.
3: So, like, caramelization of the sugars or something?
1: That, and just, you know, oxidation. You know, because I had poured a bunch of the beer out, and so the bottle was, like, half full and full of oxygen. I just wanted to see how bad it could get. And um, the funny thing was, it tasted almost like... Uh, an aged barley wine and I think if I had poured that for somebody and said oh you want to try this barley wine everybody would be like yeah oh that's kind of a nice American barley (laughs) (laughs) wine I mean it was still real clean you know it was just heavily oxidized well
4: that's I think that's what you should do you should do you should do you know drink up for those bottled on whatever and underneath say um, you if know, you
1: want to turn this into a barley wine, right?
4: It's it's kind of like a brew your own kit. Either enjoy right. it as what it is, or turn it into a barley wine by putting it on the roof of your card.
3: Uh,
4: I think it's fantastic marketing. You're a genius. <laughs>
1: well, thank you. Thank you. You're an general. innovator. Yes, actually, yes, absolutely. And you know who else? <laughs> <laughs> you know who else are geniuses and innovators? Uh, myself and Tasty, our friends at the Wonderful Northern Brewer. Oh yeah, those guys, guys too. Yeah, no, they're sponsored yeah, this well, show. Homebrew yeah, Superstore. Yeah. They, you know, they were here uh, sponsoring us back when nobody was sponsoring anything. They started out and they're just like, yeah, we'll take that on. They were yeah. innovators. They were there. They were leading the pack. They knew that the Brewing Network would become this giant of quality information. Yeah. And, uh, well, they've mongrels. stuck. They've they've stuck with us since ever. You know, That's true. over six years, they've been sponsoring this show. They've been paying for this show since you don't. So you don't have to. And uh, they've been using their their hard-earned dollars to to make sure this uh, programming, like the Brewing Network, continues because. like I said, they're innovators. They saw the value of the Brewing Network and how it could help the community, and so they they jumped right in and and have been staunch supporters. And not just this show, in many ways. You know, those people have become our friends, and they really um, have been very supportive of everything we've done at the Brewing Network. So, uh, you know, really great folks. If you get a chance, you know, check out their website, northernbrewer.com. Send them an email. Tell them how much you appreciate that they sponsor the, the Brewing Network. Uh, you know, check out the the goodies they got there. The way we brew our our Canyon It beers and do so successfully is because we get fresh ingredients from Northern Brewer, and it it makes uh, all the difference in the world. So check them out. You got to support your local homebrew shop, but you know when there's things that uh, they can't can't get for you, you know, check out NorthernBrewer.com. You'd be you'd be surprised at uh, how extensive a a list they have there.
4: That's true, and every beer that we do on Canyon uh Northern Brewer provides us with ingredients. There you go. So if you want to brew like we do, northernbrewer.com.
1: And no pants.
4: Well, and no pants. I've been cheating a little bit. I have my left leg in. That's all right.
1: That's fine by me. Okay. Because I don't have to look. It's absolutely fine. All right. So today we were going to talk about... one of the questions we get all the time is, "Oh, you guys give these recipes in um, all grain, mm-hmm. and you know, because the brewers give them in all grain. How about you know, if I want to brew these with extract, how do I go about that? What's the, you know, what do I need to take into account in order to brew these beers with extract?" I oh, thought that was an excellent question. <laughs> Um,
3: because a lot of I mean that's just your, a lot of times that's your only option. A lot of people mm-hmm. just don't have the time to do all green, right? But they want to have beers like these. I mean, mm-hmm. We talk about their favorite beer. It's a shame if they can't make it just because they're extract. So.
1: Well, people ask, you know, can you actually clone these beers? Yeah. If you use extract, what do you say, Mike? What you...
3: Well, I I don't know. I am not an extract brewer. I would I would have just more questions on top of that. Like would like would certain beer styles be more appropriate? To, uh, to have mm-hmm, a better chance mm-hmm, of success, mm-hmm. like maybe like an alt or beers that tend to be maybe less malty, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some parameters where you could think like, for instance, if I wanted to do extract Union Jack or something like that,
5: mm-hmm.
3: would that be something maybe I wouldn't want to choose versus like a pale ale would be right, maybe right. a better choice kind of thing? That's, a, that's what I'm thinking just because of the, I think the can extract is going sort of take over the beer sometimes.
1: Well, I think you can do an excellent uh, Union Jack. I think where it really? becomes tricky is... Um, you know beers where you need um some of those bready malt characters that can be difficult because there's no real steeping grains that you can come up with that have those characters right. you know if you steep Munich malts and dark Munich malts and stuff like that, they need to be converted. You end up adding a lot of you know unconverted starch, you don't really get quite all the the flavor potential of those I think right. so um
3: what about this idea of adding some, some two-row to your, to your steeping grains
1: mm-hmm, and
3: mm-hmm. maybe you know looking for some conversion? Is that a reasonable thing to do, maybe? I
1: think that's an excellent idea. I think um, it's kind of like the mini-mash. Uh-huh. Make it know. more of a mini-mash. Yeah, you're just adding, you know, you're doing your steeping, but you're adding just a little bit of base grain to it. And then y- the only other thing is you just need to pay attention to the temperature. You don't have to be, you know... Anal about the mash temperature, but you're essentially doing a mash, and you just need to be between, you know, 148 and 160. You know, right. somewhere in there right. is fine. You know, just shoot for like 155. Yeah. And if you're a little bit low,
3: great. If a little bit higher, you're good.
1: Yeah, and then you know, just let it uh, you know sit in there, and the temperature will drop a little bit, but it'll be fine. It's it's similar to what, and uh, you, know, you can do it in the steeping bag. Which is what our, you know, it's kind of the uh, similar to the brew in a bag, which our friends in yeah. Australia do all the time, and that, you know, will get you some conversion. Um, the only thing you're missing there is, you know, recirculating to clarify the Vorloff, but uh, right. I think you'd be okay on that.
3: Again, it's a small part of the of the malt bill, it's
1: right? A small. That's one of the things, you know, if you're going to convert these to extract, you need to kind of understand which malts or which grains will um, you can steep and which ones you can't. You know, um, Rauch malt, if you're doing any smoked beers, they really, you can steep them and you get some smoke character out of them, but really they should be converted. Munich malt, Vienna, um, biscuit, anything like that. Anything that's got a sweet malt character to it, like crystal malts. They're all pre-converted. That's why they're sweet, mm-hmm. um, and the really darkly kiln malts, all the roasted barley's and the chocolate malts and the black patent and all that. Those are there's so little starch left that you know that isn't already they're already fully you know, converted. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, turned into melanoidins and all that. Um, that uh, you know those those tend to be fine as well. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's that bready malt character that's maybe the toughest. When you have a a, a a clean light malt character, you use a light extract. And if it's a hoppy beer, I think you know the hops really are in the forefront. The malt is an important part, but you know, the hops are in the forefront. And if it's you know kind of an average kind of um, body to it, then the the extracts work really well because the extracts are made. Most of the time to be like an average beer mm-hmm. of fermentability, <clears throat> and you only run into problems i guess where you're looking at um you know a, a much higher attenuation to get something really dry or you know you're looking at something to to get um much less attenuation a thicker body you know look at um you know we've done Lagunitas uh i p a and they mash that at one sixty. You can't do that with extract. That would be a tough one to do with extract because, you know, you're shooting for a 160 mash temperature. You know, you're not going to get that with – although there is um, – well, there was what the uh, the Laglander, what was as famous for not, not really – for being um, not very attenuative. Hmm. You know, something like that might be a possibility.
3: But, well, of course, in play here is the fact that most does their mash at a temperature and that's just what you're stuck with right right so if you want to make a 160 mash you're just not going to get that
1: right there's something
3: you can like add to your beer to get like an is not you can't you add like dextrins to get the uh the mouthfeel that you might get by a
1: higher mash sure yeah i guess you could add some maltodextrin powder yeah yeah that's that's a good point all right you know there's not really much flavor to that but um uh, you know, it g- increases the amount of dextrins in there. That's a good point. Um, and and conversely, if you're looking for something that is, um, you know, lower mash temperature, uh, you can add a little bit of simple sugar to it. Right. And, less you know, malt. add some dextrose and a little less uh, malt extract. And that'll give you kind of a thinner, you know, less lesser, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, residual sugars.
3: So that would be appropriate, like, in higher-gravity beers. Like, say, for instance, a jacker Jack right. or right, right. something even above
1: that. Yeah, you would make those kinds of changes. Hmm. Um, you know, lots of, lots of possibilities there. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, um, we can uh, delve more into this question after this.
5: You know.
0: to the city. It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore
4: civilization. Ugh, I need a drink.
0: Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over. Oh, no. Those are non alcoholic beer.
4: <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us.
0: People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From
4: the to- creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you 7.99, dollars brew saver shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes the... In my beer again.
0: What? Why?
4: It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contract, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will
2: rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew Your Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator wort chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps home brewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer. Thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry, and much more like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at blickmanengineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey, Brewers, it's planting season. Have you ever dreamt of walking through your own hop garden? Well, look no further than Woodburn, Oregon, and the Crosby Family Hop Farm. Blake Crosby and his family have been passionately growing hops for five generations. And right now, they're taking orders for 2012 Rhizomes for all retail and wholesale customers. The Crosbys know how to grow hops and are here to help you establish your family's very own successful hop garden. In fact, when you plant a hop rhizome from the Crosbys, you're using the same plant your favorite professional brewer bought his hops from. Friendly professional service, fast shipment, and quality hops at competitive prices. The Crosby family brings all of this to you. Call 503-982-516 or visit b.crosbyhops.com and let Blake Crosby and the Crosby Hop Farm help make your hop garden a reality. BeCrosbyHops.com. Hops, from the Crosby family farm to yours. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Yeah. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. Malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at hoptech.com or call 1 800 DryHops, 1 800 379 4677. With in store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection. And a dedicated commitment to their customers, Hoptech is one of the longest running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. Hoptech. Visit today at hoptech.com. Now, back to the challenge Can you brew it?
1: All right, we're back. We're talking uh, <coughs> brewing your cologne beers with extract because uh, it's a common question we get. It's like, oh, you know, those uh, recipes are all green and I do extract. And...
3: Well, some yeah, some people just have time for extract. I actually, right. myself, I was going to do some extract brewing just to, uh, you know, sometimes I just need beer. I don't really need it to be like in a 35-point mm-hmm. beer. A, mm-hmm. a 32 will do.
1: Well, and if you want to, you know, uh, do a beer that's, you know, very similar to the, uh, you know, commercial example, I think you can easily do that with extract. You know, See. it's more about, you know, process and, you know, the fermentation and, you know, san- being sanitary and things like that, temperature control of fermentation, I and mean, that's really critical. Yeah,
3: that's what the beer is made right
1: there. Right. Um, I have
3: one other question on the uh, on the uh, steeping grains. Mm-hmm. Is there any uh, color considerations like versus a uh, you know recipe calls for uh, you know crystal one hundred and twenty and maybe in some crystal forty or maybe some roasted barley or something like that that would all of course be adding to the uh, mm-hmm. to the color of the beer. It, would that does that translate over pretty much over to extract or do you have to add a little bit more or less or since you're not moving, you know. Well,
1: a uh, couple of things that come into play. One is that extracts tend to be a little bit darker than the base malt they were made from, because uh, you do develop some color through the um, you know dehydrating process, where it's either you know done into dry malt or or liquid extract, and it tends to pick up some color from that. And then you can pick up a little bit. Of, oxidizes easier than whole malt does. Um, once it's turned into extract, either dry or or liquid. Liquid oxidizes even faster than dry. And so you pick up a slight bit of color from that. So your color tends to be a little darker than uh, a wort made from those grains. So that's one factor and then and it tends not to be anything to really calculate unless you're making a really big beer then it tends to be a point or two higher but you know not a big deal. Well
3: there's some light color beers you can't can't even make because you you know like say yeah, they the only crystal yeah. malts like C15 or something or C10. Right right. Your base is going to be just mm-hmm. it's probably darker than the C15 it sounds right. like in the extract.
1: And then uh, on the specialty grains, you know, for developing color, as long as you get a good crush and, um, you know, you steep it with an adequate amount of water, uh, you know, you should get good color extraction and uh, should be just fine on those aspects, I think.
4: Here's a quick question about just extract in general, like the extract p- making process. Um, uh, some, ex- as, as far as I understand, some extract manufacturers – don't even boil it. Mm-hmm. They just take the runnings from the mash and then they spray dry it, or they put it in the right. vacuum and pull the the moisture out and do some boil. Um, you know, because you get you get the people go well. You don't have to boil the extract because all the proteins right. are on. It. It's already boiled. Right. But I don't think that's actually true.
1: No, oh, I thought it was true.
4: I don't know. I think like Coopers. I thought mm-hmm. they just take they take the runnings from the mash and they throw one valve and it goes to the boil kettle to get hopped. Mm-hmm. And then they throw another valve, and it goes to the extract plant. Mm-hmm. That's my
3: understanding. Um, well, that would be good to know, because that would be make great. a difference. I would yeah. boil for 90 minutes uh, instead of 60. If I... Yeah, because I always good, get a man. hot break whenever I use extract.
4: I always get protein coagulation, and, and I o- oh, always. It's weird.
1: Right, but you'll also get that if you if you boil your, your wort from your, your mash. hmm and then you take that aside and put in a fresh kettle and boil it again. You'll get more break material out. Oh, of it. Oh, you will. Yeah.
4: Okay. So the hot break isn't necessarily everything that's ever going to be coming out. Of
1: right. It. I mean, um, but I see what you're saying because sometimes you can get you know a tremendous amount of hot break out of extract. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know sometimes the, the, here's the thing. I think I'm um, I mean, talking out of my ass, but um, what else? Yeah, it's, you know. It's only one or two places. Same, same, <laughs> same, same show. <laughs> Different day. You not have that Yeah, that was good. Um, uh, yeah, or my voice would be really tiny like this. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. But um, the extract uh, manufacturers, when they do boil their, their wort, I don't believe they boil it. and not boiling it for 90 minutes. You know, they'll right. boil it under vacuum, and they'll boil it the least amount of time they need because, you know, you know, essentially 15 minutes, um, you know, will develop the brake and will, you know, volatilize, you know, a lot of those aromatic things, and, uh, you know, it'll do all the things that they really need to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, why pump a whole lot of energy boiling the wort? Um, when it's going to get boiled again later on, so uh, and, and if they boil it too much, they develop too much color. So yeah, I, I would think that they they generally don't boil it as much, or it gets boiled in a vacuum, so it's not quite as high heat. So and then you know for spray malt, but I think even the sprayed malt um, gets uh, some some bit of boil.
4: I think so to get it down enough to a uh, syrup, maybe right? They, spray they it concentrate
1: the it a little yeah. bit. Um, right. Before they spray it, because otherwise well, there's so much moisture in it, it doesn't doesn't uh, f- you know turn into that dust. So
3: in the concentration process, that seems to me like if that's done by heat, mm-hmm. that's gonna that's maybe you know one of the caramelization things right. that are taking place And right? color.
1: Well, but like you do if you were you know making your own work from grain, mm-hmm. you're gonna boil it right. and you're gonna concentrate it.
3: But if I boil it for a long time, I'm going to get more, you know, right. maliart effect and more, you know, more mm-hmm. darkening of, of the wort.
1: But I think, you know, a lot of times they'll boil it under vacuum in that, that uh, so the temperature is much lower. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, it's much more effective. Right. Now,
3: would I would the, the darkening of the extract be less, less, uh, lesser value in, like, liquid malt extract versus dry? Any particular differences between the two in general?
1: Um, that area or any other through, area Bob Hansen from Brees is real passionate about talking about you know it's a lot of times better to use dry malt extract than liquid malt extract because oh. it doesn't oxidize nearly as fast because uh-huh. it doesn't have the That's moisture in it um, and I think dry malt extract can be lighter color than li- liquid malt extract okay so uh, I wonder why that is like even, well it doesn't get boiled as much I guess <clears throat> Like you were saying. I know Bob's done some shows and explained this whole thing to us and, uh, you know, I'm just...
4: Well, that would entail
1: being on the my bottom. My retention, you know, I'm lucky I can retain anything. <laughs> Whether it be, you know, something mentally or physically. Or cavity. What? Yes. Why my cavities, yes.
4: Well, that's all important in how you're trying to clone a specific beer. So you want to know right. how your extract is made and, and, mm-hmm. and what it's made with and right, all that kind right. of stuff or you're not going to get Mm-hmm. the SRM you're shooting for um is that okay I mean you know is, is it okay not to get if if you have a little darker beer but your flavors are there I mean you know when you're trying to clone uh, a beer using an extract what um you know how what am I trying to say there there's I think what taste you're saying there you can only go so light when using mm-hmm, extract mm-hmm. so there are some beers that you're not going to get should you beat yourself up about that or just focus on the flavor and and the process, and actually the fermentation, and, and kind of not sweat everything else.
1: Well, I think that's a good question, um, she made it or up. a comment, or whatever. It's, um, yeah, it's both. I I think um, I think you have an answer to this too. I think uh, you know you'd put it through the same tests that we do here. If we saw two beers side by side and we're tasting them, and the color of one is just a hair darker. Than the other, but boy, the flavors are spot on. You know, would it fall under our you know measure of well, you know, if you handed me one or the other, you know, and said here's here's you know another glass of that same beer, you know, would we notice the difference of a, a very slight change in color? Nah, we wouldn't. We, you know, when they're not side by side, you'd never know. No, right. Yeah. The flavor is all what's important there, and you'd go, wow, yeah, I really love this beer. It's like, well, I've just given you a clone of the commercial example, and you know you,
3: you just got punked, right? Exactly, you just got your mold. That's right. Well, you know these clone recipes are, at, I would say, not not to understate it, but at best a good starting point. Mm-hmm. You have to make the beer and see and, and, and compare it to to the commercial example mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. finding on your shelf, and then go from there. Like, oh, right. I see that uh, my beer is quite a bit darker. Well, that's and then then start worrying about where that color is coming from. But if it's, a, if it's the same color and otherwise maybe you've got some other issue, we'll worry about the other issue. Don't worry about the color. So it's only, I wouldn't, you know, I think it's all something we just have to adjust to, whether we're extract or all green. Well,
1: that's a good point. You know, it's yeah. it's more about all the other brewing processes and right. and really having, you know, great control over your brewing and your fermentation and all that. That's really where all the flavor is going to come from and where, you know, whether the beer is cloned or not.
3: Uh, what, okay, so what about in the in the boil now? I, I, uh, there's certain things way you can do the boil a certain way in terms of like when you add the extract or to to, to get a, to a more of an all grain sort of feel, or is there pretty much just follow normal extract procedures uh, in terms of cloning a commercial beer? I mean, just uh, you know, like do you, I know a lot of people like to add the extract well towards the end of the boil, mm-hmm, they, they mm-hmm. actually uh, put the hops in at 60, basically making right. hop tea. Well, would that be a way not to make the commercial beer. I mean, is that like right? You know, kind of well, going in
1: the wrong direction. I think the you know, and when we when uh, Justin came up with this idea, one of the first things that struck me was how important it would be to do a full wort boil for these. If you're trying to clone, yeah, you know, doing extract late might help, but I think a full wort boil would really be important in 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 cloning. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you still make a, a, a really nice beer without doing full word boil. Right. So the uh but see,
3: so the downside of the partial boil is that but the sugars are concentrated. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get the utilization that that the, the commercial brewer is getting. Right. Which we have a hard time doing anyway, I guess, I think even in an all grain batch. Mm-hmm. Even in a full word boil, we don't get the same utilization that mm-hmm. they typically get, right?
1: Mhm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um what, what would be other, another downside to not doing the full work boil? Well,
1: well uh, and if you're doing a concentrated boil, the uh, melanoid formation is much more extensive. Uh, okay. gotcha. And uh, you know, it'll also um, coagulate more proteins, and um, you can actually impact head and body uh, through uh, a concentrated boil. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll get into more of this and any questions in the chat, if we have any. Uh, back after this.
0: Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Brewmasters Warehouse and the brew builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Have you ever dreamed about attending the
2: World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Danstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2012 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition in the 2012 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth more than $3,000. From now until April 12, 2012, every Danstar yeast package you use is your
5: When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key
2: to your best beer. to Whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, Whitelabs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. Whitelabs. It's all in the vial. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it?
1: All right, we're back. Talking about uh, how to clone with extract. I'll tell you how to do something else. I'll tell you how to get a better score on your BJCP exam. Take yourself over to craftbeeru.com, letteru.com. It's a fun new way to learn more about craft beer and brewing while preparing to score well on the Beer Judge Certification Program. The cool thing about this is it's all live. They actually have live instructors. It's not canned stuff like, you know, just watching videos on YouTube. It's actually an interactive experience where you can talk, you can ask questions, you use this this chat like a lot of our listeners do to this show and you're interacting with other people and the and in the instructors during these webinars and they so believe in this process these these people are actual instructors they're not these people have worked in you know instructional capacities in the teaching fields they're not just uh you know a beer geek you know trying to teach you something they actually understand instructional methodologies which can be more successful and because of that they Guarantee that you're going to succeed. If you don't pass with sixty percent or better, you're going to retake the the course free of charge. Of course, you know there's no helping you if you're a total idiot. <laughs> uh, you know are going to have much no fun, but you're going to have satisfaction. You know if you're a total idiot and you realize that, uh, you know give the, give the course a try, and they guarantee your satisfaction. If you don't like the course by the end of the second session, they're going to refund your money. You know, you just tell them, hey, it's not for me. I don't, you know. Get along with the people, or you know, it's not, my lear- I, it's not my learning style. Not your learning style, or you can't type on a keyboard, or something like that. Um, or I couldn't make the meetings. Or yeah, they'll 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 go ahead and uh, wait well. One of the great things about this is, you know, it is more at your convenience. You're you know, you can do this from home. You don't have to if you're if you're living out in the you know in the outback in Australia. You can take a you know a um, a course. Uh, with a a group of uh, people on this and uh, Mm -hmm. it's a a great way to learn so you don't have to you know try and figure out where there's a group of of people getting together to you know teach you about this so really very cool Uh, craftbeeru.com you know I think uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I learned from uh, becoming a BJCP judge was really you know an appreciation for you know, flavors and it really helped me with my recipe formulation and a lot of different things. So uh, it's a challenging exam, the BJCP test. But um, you know, I think if you if you're dedicated to it and you use something like this craftbeeru.com, I think you can you can maximize your score and do really well. So go check it out, craftbeeru.com, to learn more. All right. Now, do we have any uh, questions from the chat?
4: Uh, We have one from Secret Lab. He asks about water treatments. And Mm -hmm. if there is any information available on what the extract manufacturer uses uh, as far as treating their specific waters.
1: Yeah, I don't know that they provide any specific, uh, you know, water treatment uh, information along with the extract. That's a good question. I think, you know, more in general, the thing to take away from that is um, those manufacturers of extract will be doing some sort of water process or they'll have water, you know, a water type that they're already using. And when they make their extract and they concentrate it down, the water that was used for the mash is, uh, you know, gets carried along with the extract. So, um, you know, when you, you know, re- uh, you know hydrate your your extract with more water if you 're using a, a water that 's very heavy in minerals that 's added to what they had when they made the extract you, know, you could use distilled water to make it back and then it's exact you know should be essentially exactly like the the water that they had there at the uh, extract manufacturer. Mm. But you need to take that into account when you're looking at water profiles and things like that. I wouldn't make extract beers with really excessively uh, mineral-high waters. I would try and, you know, if I had something like that, I'd use blend in at least some RO water and things like that. And then Mm -hmm. I think that frees you up to do things like gypsum additions that, you know, you hear in these shows.
3: So you wouldn't use city water that maybe had just been charcoal-filtered? Plus gypsum, you may just use gypsum plus some RO and distilled. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got gotcha.
1: you. Mm-hmm. Something nice. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good question.
3: Yeah, that's it too. So, in the uh, anything else in the boil besides the uh, the minerals that we need to discuss in terms of the uh, in the boil, all the process is the same. Once you get the wort, right. once you got the boil going, it's really no difference between uh, extract and all grain, right? For doing a Full volume right. oil and everything. Right. You know, your fermentation,
1: all that should be the same. Right. I think the thing that tends to be different, um, you know, a lot of times when people um are extract brewing and you know, they they think, Oh, these people who all grain brew, they taste somebody who all grain brews tastes their beer and it's so much better, they're like, Oh, you know, all grain brewing makes it's makes the, better beer. It's no, that person has You know, started out and learned and worked really hard and was really passionate about it, put a lot of effort into it. And so they're focused as well on their fermentation and all that. And that's why that. All-grain brewers' beers are better. You're going to
3: spend five hours. Why, why fuck it <laughs> up with the ferment? Right, <laughs> right exactly. Yeah, so you have to redouble your efforts there.
1: So, you know, and that's why a lot of extract brewers tend to, you know, they're making a beer maybe not as great because they're not focused on all those little details that really make the difference. Right. So I think that's, that's an important point as well. Yes. And, uh, you know, temperature control as well, you know, um, on these uh, ferments are quite important.
3: Well, a lot of I I talked to a lot of new brewers, and they go, "Well, I really need to go all grain." I says, "No, you need to go fermentation temperature control.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: You do that before you go all grain because if right. you, you got to master that. Otherwise, there's no point in spending twice as much time mm-hmm, to make the mm-hmm. same amount of beer."
1: Yeah, and uh, you you deal with a lot of uh, new brewers who are you know they're they're starting out, they're real passionate about it, and um, you know a lot of them use extract. You know what are the what's probably the most common mistake that they make is it is it on that uh, fermentation temperature yeah, control yeah. or is it no
3: it well in terms of, other than not having clean beer which of course mm-hmm. is a sanitation issue mm-hmm. but most people only make one or two of those mistakes mm-hmm. hopefully they're around somebody that can tell them the beer is not good right. it's amazing the amount of beers I get that they're so proud to to have me try that you know I have and sadly their beers is beers you know totally infected mm-hmm. they just don't know it mm-hmm. but. Uh, once they're past that, yeah, the, all their flaws are about the variability and temperature uh, mm-hmm. during the ferment. Temperature and I pitching rate, things it, like that. If, it, if, it, if you maybe you should ferment at sixty five for this beer, I'd rather you constant ferment at a constant seventy two than to uh, sixty five one day and sixty seven the next, and uh, 62
1: know, sixty two the
3: third yeah, day, and, just right, jump it all mm-hmm. over the place. The yeast, right. You know, I give them the old lecture about stressing the yeast out. When they stress, they put off and you know odd flavors, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting in your beer is hmm. odd flavors. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely recommend uh, temperature control before uh, going all grain.
1: Right, right. Um, I'm a big proponent of that as well. All right, uh, should we take uh, one last break before we uh, wrap this up with any more questions? I see JP yeah, nodding. Great. So that's a yes. All right. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not
4: prepping for the home chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine.
2: Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. <laughs> Read your way to better homebrew. And now, Northern Brewer presents, What If
4: Homebrewers Ruled the World. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Ozena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at 7,000 pounds. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bock. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer has an excellent amount
5: food. That's just a crazy dream, or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of 7.99 dollars brew saver shipping, superior customer service, and the finest selection of homebrewing goods for the future.
4: Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. So I'm the professional. <clears throat>
2: Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their new SnapLock stainless steel CamLock fittings will make connecting your pump or heat exchanger quick and easy. Or check out their exclusive paintball tank-based draft beer equipment. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way.
1: Alright, we're back. We're talking uh extracts. extracts. For your clone brews. Yes. And uh Well <laughs> I'll just jump right into it. No segue. No segue?
3: You know uh I had uh
1: to... I was riding a Segway once and I became quite aroused. Yes. Oh really? Fellas If you become quite aroused, hey, fellas and gals. Speaking of getting aroused. Speaking of getting aroused. Fellas, gals, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't mention it on the radio. Hmm. And to top it all off, they'll throw in free shipping on your entire order. So you go to AdamandEve.com, you buy just about any one item at 50% off, you get 50% off, when you do, you type the Candy Brew it code C Y B I in the offer code box, and they're going to give you your choice of three free DVDs. That's a lot of DVDs to choose from. You're going to get a free extra gift, sensual gift, to share with your, your partner, and free shipping. So you buy the one item 50%, you get free gifts, you get free shipping. Really tremendous deal. Just go to adamandeve.com today. Use C-Y-B-I in the offer code and enjoy.
3: (laughs) Speaking of joy, I really want to enjoy my next extract batch. And, and, you know, I I see, like, for instance, like a lot of people, a lot I've seen extract recipes that if you're making, like, an amber ale, it says to use Mm -hmm. amber extract. Amber
1: extract, yeah.
3: What's the the point there? Don't you really want to take advantage of... uh, steeping grains and make it amber with these grains? Or is that maybe maybe it is better to use amber extract instead?
1: Well, that's an that's, that's excellent point. Um, you know, the interesting thing is I used to think, oh, no, avoid those amber extracts, the stat extracts, those pre-made, pre-hopped extracts. And those, those extract also come pre-hopped. And I used to think, oh, avoid those. Those are terrible. But they're really not. It's, again, all about fermentation and sanitation. I've made those pre-hopped kits where you just pour it into water and mix it and add your yeast. And uh, I've turned out a, a beer that nobody said was extract. Mm-hmm. I fed it to all sorts of people. I ended up drinking the entire five-gallon keg. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And it took me 15 minutes to make. Now, the problem with that is you don't have any real control. You don't, you can't change, I mean, amber extract, it's amber extract. They've already put in crystal malts. You get a dark extract, they've already put in roasted grains. That's a lot of the flavor components right there. So your creativity is very limited. You know, you can take that amber extract and you can put some steeping grains in there, but, eh, you know. You're better off starting if you're going to do the steeping grain thing, anyways. It's a little more work, but start with a pale base, and you have far more creativity. Especially if you're trying to clone a beer, right. you're much better off with, um, you know, the non pre flavored, colored, predefined,
3: extract. predestined. But you make right. a good point. If you can, if you you know get an amber extract or any other extract that's you know whatever pre darkened, pre hopped. And you can make a beer in fifteen minutes, and you like the beer because you put a good ferment on it. That's mm-hmm. well, a great thing to have. I mean, you can right, right. keep you and your neighbors in beer for months.
1: Yeah, it's easy. It's you know, it's not the cheapest way to do it, but um, and I've, you know, it's a great way to get started. I yeah, think. For sure. um, and if you can do that, you can do all the others um, as well. Uh, also, um, and you know, that would also if, if you ever see a clone recipe that includes using amber extract or dark extract or you know stout extract or something like that go run away from that it's not a good clone recipe cuz there's no you know well i wouldn't say there's no commercial brewery using you know amber extract or whatever as their as their base but um, you know that's it's just not a good way of uh, cloning a beer and And not that, again, not that those extracts are bad, but amber extract from extract manufacturer A is going to be different than amber extract from manufacturer B. They're not the same. There's no universal code of you must add, you know, X amount of crystal 60 to make an amber extract. They're completely different. They can be all sorts of things. It could be just, you know... Uh, some roasted barley for coloring or, you know, and there's really no flavor. It could be crystal malt, you know, uh, of a different, you know, several colors or it could be, you know, so many different things that makes it very difficult to, um, yeah. you know, understand or, you know, completely, uh, you know, compare one apples and apples. It's
3: Amongst them the, the, the different brands and then, of course, the, yeah. the, the, the craft beer you're trying to clone the fact that that would be that happen to be the same it'd be pretty pretty random I think you know? yeah exactly right. exactly good point now what about uh, you know we mentioned that the uh, that the uh, uh, fermentable sugar profile has already been determined for us at the at the mulster when they made mm-hmm. the extract mm-hmm. uh, what about uh, you know like, say we we're trying to make a beer that we want to you know say the, the brewer told us well he wants he matches at 150 149 or something like that I mean you know 150 you know like a like a lower temperature, trying to get a uh, a much more highly fermentable wort to get it to dry out. Do you know anything an extract brewer can do in terms of oxygenation, pitching rate, uh, anything like that that they can maybe get get that kind of attenuation, even though their uh, their malt base is probably mashed a lot higher.
1: Well, and I would I would you know replace some of the the malt to extract with a little bit of dextrose. Okay you know get the same you want the same uh gravity but, gravity, but it'll be you know much more uh, you know attenuative you know f- uh, a 5% addition or something like that is is the equivalent of generally you know it depends on the size of the beer and all that and but it's generally equivalent to uh you know a couple of degrees of uh, uh mash temperature but you
3: can plug that right into your brewing software uh, right. like beer smith or some, beer yeah, or something yeah. and then it'll it'll just mm-hmm. you put the sugar down there and you can just automatically just start dropping right. the malt to get back to the gravity you started with. and uh,
1: But the other thing that's important, and we ask a lot of the brewers about it, you know, it's all about fermentation, the yeast, proper yeast strain. Yeah, good, you know, pitch. you can't say, well, yeah, I'm going to make this, uh, you know, Belgian beer and I'm going to use uh, USO5. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to, you're not going to have a clone, yeah. you know, and it's... Or know, an English pail with right. California what? Right. You know, you got to choose the right yeast strain and, you know, fermentation. You know, pitch the right amount of yeast and have, you know... Uh, oxygenate, things like that, nutrients, that's what the commercial brewers are doing. And that's when, you know, your beer is going to taste a lot more similar to a commercial example. And, and, and uh, if, even if you don't clone it, at least you'll have a good a good, a good right. ferment and a good attenuation. You'll have a really nice beer to drink. Well, and, you know, the the strange thing is, sometimes you're going to go, like, oh, I like this better than a yeah. commercial example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is That's really how the
3: that Janice Hill got developed. I was trying to clone some other beer. Uh-huh. And, I was, you know, of course, I'm comparing it to this commercial beer. Right, it's full sale amber ale. I was trying to do a long time ago. Uh-huh. I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, I started like tasting them side by side. And I'm going like, well, I'm I'm getting further away. But man, this beer I'm developing, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and I started like focus, focusing on it how to make it better. You know, uh-huh. just drop the whole cloning thing.
1: Oh, really cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we ought to do a show uh, about that where you know. And, and delve into that process of, oh, I want to clone a beer, and know, um, yeah. yeah, maybe some more hints on that. I, I think we did one of these before, but uh, I'd like to hear that story and and kind of go through that process with you. And sure, I think that'd be very instructive for the. Well, listeners. I, yeah,
3: I mean, I was doing this like you know back when I hadn't been brewing very long, so mm-hmm. I had no idea. I mean, I was you know I didn't even know that, uh, full Phil beer was probably English yeast, and I was using mm-hmm. you know California one or something or ten fifty six. I was using then and uh yeah i just knew it was dark so i you needed some dark malt and i i had no mm-hmm. idea but
1: very cool yeah. oh, i i think i got some clone stories too to tell mm-hmm. back in my very early days very cool all right so uh that'll be it for the show let's wrap it up um and uh don't forget to to check out our great sponsors check out northernbrewer.com check out the uh, um uh, better beer scores and uh, Adam and Eve, you know, they're supporting this show and uh, make this possible for you. So uh, show, them, uh, show them some love. If you get a chance, stop by thebrewingnetwork.com, go into the store, a lot of goodies in there. You can uh, uh, sign up for Brew Your Own Magazine if you, if you click on the, on the link on thebrewingnetwork.com. Half of the subscription price of Brew Your Own goes directly to the Brewing Network directly to the bottom line, help keep programming like this on the air. Uh, same thing for Zymergy. It's not quite half, but they they, they kick back a chunk of money to uh, help the Brewery Network. So, uh, great way to sign up for a couple of great magazines and, and get some great information. Till then, Bruce Drone. And Open.